0: Welcome to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. I'm your host, Donald Miller. I'm joined by my co-host, JJ Peterson. Hi, JJ. Hello, Don. JJ, today we're talking about one of my favorite topics, planning. Yes. (laughs) I love planning. I know you do. I became a planner when I discovered it is a secret superpower. Oh, yeah? It is a secret superpower that will make you more money. It will grow your company. It will give you better relationships. Literally just planning. What is it that Abraham Lincoln said? If I had to chop down a tree, I'd spend 18 hours sharpening my axe and an hour chopping the tree. Yeah, or yeah. Like that? I think it was George, <laughs> George Washington. Washington. Yeah, I was going to say, Washington. not quite Abraham Lincoln, but yes. <laughs> yeah. And today yeah. we get to talk to one of the best planning guys in the business, yeah. Michael Hyde. Yeah. And I'm a little envious because if I could clone myself, I would also have a company that just helps people plan.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I kind of play off a little bit of sometimes like where I'm not a huge planner and all this stuff because we talk about like- You do. You goal joke setting. about that, but it's actually not true. I mean, when I was trying to pass my PhD exams, uh-huh. my comprehensive exams, there was a whole kind of weird thing that happened and they essentially said you have 30 days and 30 days you have to take your exams is when they finally approved me to be able to do it. And I knew that in order to pass those exams, because most people take about six months to a year to study for them. And I had 30 days. The only way that I was going to be able to pass those exams is if I planned every single day meticulously. So I had not just every weekday, but every weekend, Planned for exactly what I needed to study, exactly how many hours I need to put in, what books I needed to study during those times, what notes I needed to review, what things I needed to write, even down to my rest. Even my days of rest, I had to have certain days that I had built in. And I was able to stick to that plan and follow it and pass my exam. It
0: programs your brain.
1: And it's the only way I could have
0: done it. There's something eerie and weird about it. Here's the best planning story from my personal life that really sold me on this. Yeah. I graduated high school a little early, so I graduated when I was 17. And some youth leader came to town and he gave a speech and he said, Here's what I want you to do get a piece of paper, write a letter to somebody else here in the youth group. I think we drew names out of hats. Yeah. And tell them what you want to do with your life. Yeah. Well, I thought life pretty much ended at 35. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I literally started by the time I turned 35. Yeah. Sandy, it was my friend's girlfriend who I drew her name. Yeah. By the time I turned 35, now I grew up in Texas, yeah. so you know this. Had never been much out of Texas, really. I mean, yeah. We went up to Oklahoma, but that's it. You know, it's, I would, no, we went to Disney World. We went to Florida, yeah, yeah. but you know, stayed in the South. It is so hot in Houston <laughs> yes. that I thought, I want to move as far north as I can and stay in America, and I thought... The most northern state is Oregon. <laughs> that's what you thought at the time. I didn't ta- I took economics <laughs> instead of geography. You could choose between economics or geography, uh-huh. so I just didn't know where anything mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. my whole youth. <laughs> yes. so, so I wrote to Sandy, "I want to live in Oregon uh-huh. by the time I'm 35. I want to be a New York Times best-selling author, uh-huh. and I want to be a millionaire. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I wrote all that. That is amazing. I gave it to Sandy, yeah, and I never thought about that letter again. Yeah. And when I was 36 or so. Sandy called me and said, hey, Don, you won't believe this. I was rummaging up in our attic. You know, she's married with kids, and yeah, yeah. she's moving, and I went through some old letters. Can I read you what you wrote me Shut when up. we were seniors Shout in up. high school? JJ, she called me. I lived in Oregon. Yeah. I was a New York Times best-selling author. Now, I was poor until Blue Like Jazz hits, yeah, yeah. so <laughs>
1: please don't... <laughs>
0: This is the part that was some sort of mysterious thing because no writer gets rich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for some reason, that book took off. And I was squeaked by that if you really looked at, well, if you talked about the value of this contract and the (laughs) equity he has on this small farmhouse, somehow I was a millionaire. And it was shocking to me. And I, I'd been a planner kind of since then, but that sold it. I mean, yeah. that literally, I just thought it was magical. was so like, if you write yeah. it down and yeah. give it to Sandy, it's going to happen. <laughs> it's going to happen, Every yeah. year, I just email her another letter. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so there's something really magical yeah. about it. And it's true, you know, I did the Storyline Workshop for so long. And my goal with the Storyline Workshop was to take people through logotherapy. Logotherapy is Viktor Frankl's philosophy that everybody really wants in order to be healthy, they need a sense of meaning. Yeah. And the way he had this practical prescription on how you actually get a sense of meaning. Do meaningful work, create a project that is meaningful, and work on it. Yeah. And then do that with a community of friends, Mm -hmm. and then take any amount of suffering that you have to experience and find something positive about it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. He took suicidal patients through that in Vienna, post-Holocaust. Yeah. And in contention of Sigmund Freud, he said, life is about pleasure. Yeah. He said, no, it's about meaning. And when you can't find meaning, you dull yourself with pleasure. Yeah. And not a single patient committed suicide under his watch. And th- their problem in the hospital system that he was dealing with was suicide. Yeah. And I just thought, this is more than just a magical formula for becoming successful. It's actually a healthy life. Yeah. And if I don't have something, here's me just personally. Yeah. If I don't have a goal mm-hmm. that I'm heading toward, I don't really care what the goal is. Yeah. If I don't have a goal that I'm heading toward, I get, not depressed, but I fall into what Abraham Aswell would call a narrative void. Yep, Life doesn't have meaning anymore. Mm-hmm. And who knew that like seeking meaning wasn't about some great spiritual experience or doing peyote out in the desert <laughs> with some Native Americans? But it was just very, very helpful for me when I no longer had time to contemplate the meaning of the universe. When I had time mm. to contemplate the meaning of the universe, I found myself struggling with depression. When I just tried to write a book and get it done on time, yeah, I didn't. There's a real benefit to being distracted by something positive, by something really beautiful that you're trying to create and having it have a focus and, you know, this is the climactic scene we're looking for. And when that scene is wrapped up, you got to sit down, you got to plan the next one. Yeah. And you have to be distracted by some kind of a goal. You know, I had this epiphany really this year of, you know, I used to weigh 387 pounds, Mm -hmm. you know, and I've lost almost 200 of that. Still have 30 more to go. And it's just incredibly frustrating. You know, it's like, oh, this is driving me crazy. I had this real epiphany of like, what a beautiful service that that challenge has given me in my life. Yeah. It gives me something to have to do. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. And I just kind of went oh, yeah, I wouldn't trade this for the world. Yeah. I have to lose 30 more pounds. That's awesome because I'm not bored.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I may be frustrated, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but I'm not, not bored. bored. Yeah. I have
0: something to do, yeah. and it's exciting. So I would clone myself and start a planning, a planning workshop, company. but I yeah. can't beat Mike. No. He just has the best. He thinks about it so well. He reads everything. Yeah. He understands the way the brain works. And I think he's saving lives. I'm not well, exaggerating Well, he's such a that. good guy, too. He's such a like, good human such a being. He's a good person. And he's a great dad. He's got five daughters. Can you imagine? <laughs> and a wife who still loves him. That's <laughs> yeah. all I want for Betsy. He's like yeah. 40 years in.
1: I still like you.
0: Yeah, we yeah. win. Yeah, I yeah, live yeah. one life. Give me a trophy. You know, he's that guy. And I'm not exaggerating. I think when you teach people to plan their lives, you save lives. and you save people from depression and all that kind of stuff and thank God for guys like Mike anyway I signed up for his November workshop I don't think you can even get in they haven't opened up registration for that yet because they're still filling the one coming up if you go to November I'm not speaking I'm not sharing I'm sitting with you in the row, and I'm planning my life right alongside you, and I wholeheartedly encourage you to sign up whenever he opens that thing up. The thing is called Full Focus Planner. It's Mm -hmm. at fullfocusplanner.com. Anyway, you're going to get a lot of it for free right now, Yeah, yeah. and here is my conversation with Michael Hyatt. When I heard you were willing to come on the show to talk about your planner, I geeked out, because I'm so into this stuff. (laughs) And I think... You've got the best one on the market. I'm curious, why did you create it? What did you not see out there as a tool that you just said, okay, I'm not seeing the one that I want? My guess
2: is you actually
0: created this for yourself.
2: Totally. So like I'm an old paper planner user from decades Me too, ago. man. You can't be paper. Oh, When I was in college, I started with this thing called the Seven Star Diary. Okay. I mean, I think they may have this in the National Archives or something, but I mean, <laughs> this is old. It goes way back. Then I went into the Daytimer. Remember, you used to go to the mall and you'd pick out your binder and you'd pick out your inserts. Oh, my and all. gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Franklin Covey. My idea of a good time was going into a Franklin Covey store and just kind of soaking in the productivity. You know, finding new pages I'd never used. But you know, the thing about it is all those stores closed down. Over a decade ago, because everybody moved to digital. right? But here's the problem with digital. It puts you into the most distracting situation possible. Yeah. You can't focus. You can't be productive. And believe me, I'm a super digital guy. I use, I've got three monitors in front of me right now, but I don't plan my priorities. I don't manage my day with a digital planner because it's just too Crazy, And all the people that have used our planner have said that their productivity, their focus, their sense of accomplishment has risen exponentially by getting out of this kind of environment. So to back to your question, that was all a preamble. (laughs) Back to your question, the reason I did this is when I looked at the paper planners that were out there and I ordered like 30 of them. And what I found was that most people put together something that didn't really have any rhyme or reason. It just kind of sounded good on paper. But it wasn't part of a system. So I've got this goal achievement system called Your Best Year Ever and a book by that title, as you know. Yeah, yeah. And then I have a productivity course, which has been massively successful. And I've got a new book coming on that next year called Free to Focus, subtitled, How to Achieve More by Doing Less. So I wanted a tool that would enable my clients and my customers to take that goal achievement system that I teach in Your Best Year Ever And the productivity system that I teach in Free to Focus and integrate that in one tool that was kind of where the rubber meets the road so that on a daily basis, people can move towards their most important goals and be massively focused and productive. So that was the genesis of it.
0: What did it do for you? You started using it. I'm sure you beta tested it for a while. I know you well enough to know that. What happened in your life when you started actually writing this stuff? And I will add one thing that you left out on paper. You can see it. Yes. If it's in an app in my phone... I just don't tend to go into my apps and look that much, but if it's sitting on my desk, and a physical piece of paper, I open it up
2: and I fill it out and I review my goals and all that kind of stuff. You can see it. Yeah, and so that that happened to me too. We started doing some research. Joel Miller, who's on my team, you know Joel. Yep, yep. Joel's the head of my content team, and Joel is a massive researcher. He loves research and stuff. And so we started looking at what happens when you write things down. What happens to your brain and how it increases retentiveness how it increases your focus. And we read a book together called The Revenge of Analog. Have you read that? No, 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 I haven't. That sounds great, though. Basically, it talks about there's, in the midst of all this digital revolution, there's been this revolution or return to analog-based products, to whether it's vinyl when it comes to records or board games or paper. And of course, I come out of the publishing world and, you know, everybody thought 10 years ago, that ebooks were going to totally destroy print books. Well, not only is that not happened, but ebooks are now in decline. That's fascinating. Like they topped out at about 25% of the market, and now they're about 22% of the market, and they're on a decline. The trend is not good. And if you know any millennials, most millennials I know want paper. They don't want digital. So for all of us that started using this in my team, because we created the prototype, we started using it as a team, we gave each other feedback, we revised We used it some more. We revised it. But all of us saw this huge increase in productivity. And Don, this was another important point. Much less overwhelm because I've got this concept that I'll talk about here in a minute called the daily big three. And when you can clear out the clutter and just focus on three and only three really important tasks for the day, all of a sudden you've created a game that you can win because most people wake up in the morning with a to-do list You know, there's 20 some odd items. They know they're not going to win. They get up knowing that they're going to be defeated. They are not going to win this game. They go to bed at the end of the day, even if they've checked off 14 of those, still feeling like they lost the war. And so we said, let's stop the madness. We've got to create a system that people, where they can win the game, the game of life, the daily game and create a system that enables them to do that. And that's what the Full Focus Planner does.
0: I want to get into how it actually works. And you talk about defining your big three or creating definitive goals, your daily rituals, and your regular reviews. We're going to talk about each of those sections. I recently read an article by Ken Blanchard. It's actually a wonderful white paper called His Vision for America. But he talks about what needs to happen in the country is we need to define three core values. And I thought that was awkward. You have a country, in my opinion, the greatest country in the history of the world and you only want three core values. And the reason he said you need three core values is the brain really can only process three. If you add a fourth, nobody will know what the values are. Is that part of why you start with defining your big three? Because you have to understand what's important and what's not important?
2: Yeah, I think for most of us, we want to live a life of importance. We want to make sure that we're attending to the things that matter most, that we're not so sidetracked by the trivia of life that we get to the end of our days, not to mention the end of the year, and look back and go, I'm not even sure what I got accomplished. You know, I know I was busy. In fact, I've been busier than I've ever been before. But what did I actually achieve? So it begins in the first part of the planner with the finding a set of annual goals. You know, what are the things that if I were to look back 12 months from now, on the past 12 months, that I would say really made this my best year ever? And I try to do that every year. I've done it for about two decades now. Try to beat the last year in terms of having my best year ever. How do you quantify that when you say best year ever? Totally subjective.
0: Yeah. And I know you well enough to know that's going to have a lot to do with family. That's going to have a lot to do with health and fitness. That's going to have a lot to do with your career goals, your company. It's not just going to be I achieved more or made more money. I'm curious how you define what is a best year, a great year.
2: Well, for me, it has to be I have to address all the major domains of life. So that means spiritually, intellectually physically, emotionally, maritally, my parenting, my financial life, my vocation. So I don't address all those every year, but I might ask myself, for example, I've got a great marriage. I've been married almost 40 years now. And I say, okay, if I were going to take my relationship with Gail to the next level, what's still missing? What could be improved? What would make it really amazing? Or my health? You know, I'm 62 years old and I promise you, Don, I am in the best shape of my life. That's amazing. I'm stronger, I'm leaner, I have more endurance, but it doesn't just happen. And this is one of the things I said in my book, Living Forward, which I did with our mutual friend, Daniel Harkavy, and that is that nobody ever drifted to a destination they would have chosen. It takes intention. You define the big
0: three things. Do you do that at the beginning of the year? Here's the three things I wanna do, or is this a daily routine?
2: Great question. So I do the annual goals. So that's seven to 10, no more than seven to 10. Okay, seven to 10 total goals, seven to 10 total goals, because you got the rest of your life to maintain. These are things which the guys who wrote the four disciplines of execution, which I know you talked about before. These are things that are outside the whirlwind. Okay, so these are things that you're going to do that are going to really improve your life or your profession in some way. Then I talk about identifying your quarterly big three. So I'm going to take all those goals, and I'm going to have no more than two to three goals for the quarter that I'm going to focus on. Then my weekly big three, so this is part of the weekly review and preview program, which is in the planner, so I'm going to identify my big three for this next week, and those are going to tie to my quarterly big three and my annual goals, and then my daily big three. Now, this is an important distinction. Your daily big three can be related to a goal or a project. Now, every goal is a project, but not every project is a goal, so let me explain. We have a community, by the way, with our full focus planner. So on Facebook, there's a private group for those people. We got like 7,000 people in that group right now. So somebody said, I'm having a hard time getting motivated by one of my annual goals. And I said, well, what's your goal? And they said, well, it's to get all my accounting reconciled. Okay. So for me, just shoot me. That idea (laughs) does not get me excited. And part of my framework for goal setting is it has to get you excited. And so I asked this lady, I said, are you excited about this? And she said, heck no. No but it's got to be done. I said, "Okay, great. That it's a project, not a goal." So, on your daily big 3, the only criteria is that it has to be important. It can be a project or a goal, but it has to be important. I have a place called other tasks, which is kind of the junk drawer for, you know, all the other tasks, all the other errands you have to run, things you have to delegate, but the 3, those are the things where I add the most value and the things that I'm focused on getting done for today. All right. So define your big three and then
0: set definitive goals and know the difference between a goal and a project. And then if there's a theme to this year for me, it's daily rituals because I've finally realized what I've been reading about for 10 years. And that is, unless it's just a habit, you won't really do it. Or you can just sort of automate progress. I mean, we're both Enneagram threes. We both need to succeed. I realized that late last year, maybe November, if I just wake up, drive to the gym, get in the pool and swim for at least 30 minutes, at least four days a week, my body is going to look completely different 12 months from now. It wasn't even like a goal. It wasn't even like, I'm going to do this. It was I'm just going to set this one habit. I'm going to wake up, drive to the gym, get in the pool, swim for between 30 minutes and half an hour. And now, it's been two and a half months, going on three months. It's really funny, Mike, I wake up, I find myself driving to the gym, and I don't know why. <laughs> it's just this thing that my body does. And my mind and my spirit are going with me as my body goes to the gym. But I'm reaping the benefit of that, you know? Talk to me about daily rituals. Does this have anything to do with the power of habit and all that kind of
2: stuff? Totally. You mentioned the power of habit. Charles Duhigg is the author of a book by that title. And he said the key to victory is creating the right routines. So daily rituals are a form of self-automation. And basically, if you think about what high-performance athletes do, what high-performance professionals in any field do, they observe a set of rituals that basically make sure that they cover all the basics that set them up for success. So Tiger Woods has a ritual. Before he approaches you know, the tee to tee off on the first hole, he's got a ritual. I promise you, if you watch him, you will see the ritual because that puts him in the right mindset. It gets his body aligned with his mind, and it puts him in the best possible position to win. And it's true for all professional athletes. So I identify four daily rituals that everybody ought to define. And there's a place in the full focus planner for you to write these. So what I do, it's almost like a program. So you're going to write a program that automates a series of things that you want to do to set yourself up for success. Give me an example. Do you do this every morning? Do you have some automated program every morning? Yep. So let me give you the four rituals. Morning ritual. Okay. Workday startup ritual. Workday shutdown ritual and an evening ritual. Now, I want to be careful. I want to give a little bit of a disclaimer here. My morning ritual is going to look very different from the mother of small children. I've got discretionary time. She doesn't. Okay, so here's what I do. I mean, this is pretty mundane, but bear with me. So here's my ritual. Drink 12 ounces of water when I first wake up because I've been dehydrated. Make a cup of coffee. Read my daily Bible passage from the one-year Bible. Pray, journal, fill out my daily page in my full focus planner, work out, eat breakfast, shower, dress. I follow that exact same order every day. I'm curious, how long does that take you? I think we're all wondering. Is that like an hour and a half? For me, and again, this includes eating breakfast, working out, showering, all that. It's three hours. So I get up at 5 a.m., I'm ready to go at eight.
0: How long have you been doing that? Decades. Wow. You're one of the most productive people I know. It's really uncanny. Been doing that for decades.
2: It takes various forms at different times. I mean, I can tell you when we had small kids, because we have five daughters, and there was a point at which all of them, all five of them were under the age of 10. So it was chaos. And in those days, honestly, if I could get in 20 or 30 minutes for my morning routine, that was a victory. So you've got to adjust it for your season of life.
0: For a novice, I mean, you work with people who are just getting started in this all the time. How long would it take, do you think, for that to become automated for somebody?
2: Here's the thing about habit goals. And I distinguish between achievement goals and habit goals. And a daily ritual could be looked at as a habit or a collection of habits. Most of us have heard somewhere that it takes 21 days to establish a habit. That's completely without merit. There is no research that substantiates that. All the research on goal achievement and habit formation says that it takes a minimum of 66 repetitions to form a habit. Do I usually shoot for 70 days. It can take as long as 120 days. But I think of it as achieved when it's been installed into my system and I no longer have to think about it. So for me, like for years, I hate to admit this, but for years I didn't floss, (laughs) right? And then somebody said to me, You know, you don't have to floss except for the teeth that you wanna keep. So I said, okay, (laughs) that makes sense. So now I literally cannot go to bed. I don't care if it's one o'clock in the morning, I'm stumbling back to my hotel room and I've had a long work day, I will floss before I go to bed because it's an installed habit. My daily ritual is the same thing. So I would say probably 70 days, but you don't have to have 100% compliance. So I have something I call a compliance standard And I think for most people, about 95%. So if I'm getting 95% of those 70 days, that's good. I don't have to restart. I'm good.
0: I'll be back with the rest of my interview with Michael Hyatt in just a moment. Listen, if you are a marketing mind, that is, if you create websites for people, if you like to write email copy, if you help people come up with their elevator pitches, if you are a marketing expert and have at least two years of marketing experience, really helping people get an enormous return on their investment, not one of these marketing people who create websites for people that are really pretty and don't work and don't make them any money. If you are a marketing mind, a marketing professional that goes to sleep worrying about your client's business more than your own, you are eligible to become a StoryBrand guide. That is, you can attend four days of training with me and my team, and we will teach you how to turn the StoryBrand framework into marketing collateral that works for your clients. Not only that, but we will send clients your way through our directory at clarifyyourmessage.com. If you want to become a StoryBrand guide, go to storybrand.com/. Slash guide. That is storybrand.com slash guide. Remember, you need at least two years experience and you already know what you're doing, but you really want to incorporate the story brand framework and you really want to help your clients make a lot of money. If that's you, go to storybrand.com guide. Apply today. We want to talk with you. Storybrand.com guide. Regular reviews is the fourth part of this. You define your big three, you create your goals, you break these things down into daily rituals. We didn't even get into the workday ritual, the workday closing ritual, the evening ritual, but then regular reviews. How often are you reviewing and assessing your progress?
2: In a sense, I kind of do this daily because I have to review what I accomplished the previous day, but this is kind of the fifth ritual, which is my weekly review. So I have four daily rituals and then I have a weekly ritual, which I call my weekly review. I typically do it on Sunday night. Some people do it Friday afternoon. Some people do it on Monday morning, but I go through a weekly review and a preview. So here's what I do when I'm doing that review. I'm looking, first of all, what were my biggest wins for the last week? Now, as an Enneagram three, you know, this Mm -hmm. we're achievers, right? Right. So we check something off the list And we're looking for the next thing. We don't even take time to celebrate it. And so the thing that that the weekly review does is is it forces me to just go back, reflect on what happened this past week. And I could focus on the losses, but I found it enormously helpful to focus on the wins because what that does, and I tend to be self-critical too. So I would naturally go to where I didn't measure up, what I didn't accomplish, but the wins builds my confidence so that as I go into this planning and begin to think about next week, I've got the confidence and a sense of momentum to take on some big stuff for next week. So then what I do is I go into something I call an after action review. And this is something I picked up from the U S military, but it basically says, okay, what were the problems for last week? Cause I don't just want to, you know, gloss over those, but what were the things that I I kind of missed on and to honestly acknowledge those. And then to say, how am I going to change my, either my planning? or my behavior going forward, so that I don't make that same mistake again. Okay, so if I'm going to make mistakes, I want to make different mistakes, not the same mistakes. And then from there, I identify my new weekly big three. So I'm, I'm doing some review. And I've got some checkboxes in the planner here. I'm like reviewing my notes from the last week, delegated tasks, deferred tasks, review my goals. What are the possibility of things that I could do this next week? How could I boil that down to my new weekly big three? What are the things that I must accomplish this coming week to reach my goals? My couple questions for you about this. As I'm
0: listening to you, I think of myself, I'm definitely an Enneagram 3, get a lot done. I like being productive. Betsy calls me restless because you know it's very hard for me just to sit down and watch TV or something. But also when I get into this stuff, if it becomes too laborious with paperwork, I won't do it because I've got this creative mind. And as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking to myself, Okay, I know if I did this, I would be much more productive, much more happy, all that kind of stuff. But sitting down at a regular day and time, reviewing my goals, coming up with tomorrow's goals, you know it doesn't feel like a creative personality is going to be able to do this. And I ask you that, not to push back, but convince me that I can, and I should, (laughs) because I want
2: to. Yeah, well, I think it comes down to this. How much time does this really take? My weekly review takes less than 30 minutes. Me coming up with my big three for today takes less than five minutes.
0: And usually you know them, you're literally just transplanting them from yesterday.
2: Exactly, and the thing about it is, it's a very small investment for a very high return. Andy Andrews says about discipline, and I love this quote, he says, discipline is this, can you make yourself do something you don't wanna do for the sake of something you really wanna have? (laughs) So what I really wanna have is a productive life where I'm focusing on the stuff that matters most. What I really want to have is making progress towards my major goals. So I can make myself, and I'm kind of like you, I'm restless in that sense. I can force myself to sit down for 20 minutes to 30 minutes or five minutes a day as a matter of a habit and make sure that I'm planning. For those
0: of us who know you personally, you're actually good at stopping and enjoying life. Because one thing that a productive personality can do, and I think The number of people who are still listening to this podcast are all productivity junkies. We want to get things done. You are good at taking sabbaticals. You're good at going on vacation. Do you and, you know, Gail ever fight where she wants you to be present and you're in your head trying to accomplish something? And how do you enjoy the fruits of your labors rather than just, you know, get caught up in them?
2: Well, I think this is a huge problem for a lot of high achievers. And I can tell you this, I screwed this up royally after we were first married. And really when the girls were young, I was working all the time. I was never present. You know, I was always thinking about some deal I was trying to do. And before I got a handle on this, we didn't really have smartphones, so I wasn't checking my phone at the table. But I can promise you this, my mind was somewhere else. And then I realized, I don't know what it was, maybe just kind of just the maturation process, but I realized this is not how I want to live. I want to be present. And then I started looking at the research that shows that the people that are the most productive, that accomplish the biggest, most important things, are people that take time to rest and rejuvenate. To go back to the world of professional athletes, you know, those people that are Olympians, people that are whose income depends upon how they perform on the field, those people are sleeping eight, nine, yeah. ten hours, yeah. right? Yeah. Those are people that are taking naps, Those are people that know how to turn it off. Even Winston Churchill, we've been doing some research for a project we're working on right now. Even in the midst of World War II, when he had so much pressure on him, he would take time for what? A nap every day. He was in the bathtub every day. By the way, I'm not recommending this as a regimen necessarily. And he would paint frequently, almost every week. And the research shows, uh, Joel and I were just looking at this over lunch. The research shows that you can't be more productive more than about 55 hours a week. You start regressing. You may be spending more time at the office, more time on your work, but you are not more productive. So to kind of bring this down to where the rubber meets the road, the thing that's worked for me, Don, is setting hard boundaries. So for me, at 6 p.m. every night, I don't care if my hair is on fire, I stop. And I've got this actually automated now so that in my office, the lights literally, they're automated, they turn off at 6 p.m. so it shuts down so i'm standing here in the dark <laughs> so it's just a visual cue to does me does
0: your brain shut down now too i mean do you you know walk across the driveway there and go to the house and your mind's not on work well i mean it depends
2: on what i'm working on i mean i that's an ongoing thing that i struggle with but one of the things that i've found for really productive people is that if you don't plan your time off and if you don't have specific things that you're going to do in your time off you're going to drift back to what's familiar, which is work. And so the secret to getting in control of your weekend and having a meaningful weekend and really feeling rested and rejuvenated and connected to the people that you love the most is to actually fill those days with a plan. Now, maybe I'm going to take a nap at this time, or I'm going to go to dinner with this couple, or I'm going to go for a hike with my wife or whatever it is. But for me as an achiever, I've got to have that actually as part of my plan for the weekend. Otherwise, I'm going to drift back into work. I follow these rules. I have these rules for rejuvenation, which is this. And it's basically four rules. Don't think about work. Don't talk about work. Don't read about work. And don't listen to podcasts about work. (laughs) Yeah, that's tough. My wife told me, it was actually this
0: weekend, we were having lunch with a friend, and I didn't realize this. But when we were dating, I told her, I said, I don't do vacations. I just don't do them. The only vacation I'm going to do is if we're Learning something like if we're on an educational yep. tour or something like that, we just don't do. She said she almost didn't continue dating me; It was almost over at that point. <laughs> she said she made it a decision she would slowly train me to do vacations, and we leave for Jamaica next week. And I'm telling you, I do vacations now. They're they're Good for awesome. You. They're awesome, but it's still hard. It's still hard to because for a productivity junkie, what really what our core pain here is: we think if we don't succeed, something's wrong. Right? Something's wrong with us or something's wrong with life, or we have to succeed. And I live in this existential battle of I have to succeed, but succeed for what? Succeed to enjoy life when, right? There's never enough. Anyway, I think there's a lot of people who are identified with our conversation right now. Let me ask you this, Mike, because I know we don't have much more time. You know, we'll go to fullfocusplanner.com. We'll sign up for this thing. But what I really want is somebody to hold my hand to create and get me started to create my first go-round and get me started in the process. You have a way of doing that? Does your team provide anything that we can come together and do that?
2: Like, I didn't even put you up to this question. No, no, no like I'm, I'm dead serious because I,
0: you know, I got to print a bunch of stuff out and watch some videos. I'm kind of like, man, I'd really just rather nail this, right? Just get it done in one thing.
2: Okay. So there's a couple ways you can do it. Okay. First of all, this is the only planner that comes with coaching built in. So I've recorded a series of videos, one for each set of pages. They're like two to three minutes long that walks you through that page, gives you the kind of the big why and how to fill it out. Now, in the addition of the planner that we're shipping for this coming fall, there's gonna actually be a printed guidebook in there that's gonna show you. And so some people learn better that way. But yes, we provide the coaching. Another thing you could do is come to the Free to Focus live conference, which we do, we're doing this spring. It's, I think it's in May, but you go to freetofocus.com. And that's a three-day live workshop where we walk you through the whole process, all the rationale behind it. Is that here in Nashville? Here in Nashville. What are the dates on that? I don't know. It's in May, though. It's in May. But if you go to freetofocus.com, we're opening registration for the course. And one of the options is to take it live. And people get on the wait list, and then we'll notify them uh, when we're doing it. Mike, we didn't talk before. This is not an ad. You're not
0: paying us anything. No. This is just how life saving I think this stuff is. Because, you know, everybody who knows me in any depth knows I love Victor Frankel's logotherapy. I love it's that. It's completely changed my life. And one of the things he talks about is have a project, a meaningful project to work on, have some redeeming perspective on your suffering, and share your life with friends. And it's all stuff that a good planning system will do. It's not just being more productive, it's being more sane, being more emotionally healthy. I'm a huge fan of this. And I think you've got the best one on the market.
2: Well, thank you. And I'll tell you, I really created this so that people could experience freedom. The freedom to really focus, which we've talked about. Mm-hmm. The freedom to be present with the ones that they love the most. And the freedom to be spontaneous, which a lot of productive people don't have a lot of that. Everything is planned. I want to be free so that if my grandkids come over, I can stop what I'm doing, go out there and play with them in the yard. And I don't have to feel guilty about that. My mind is not somewhere else. So freedom is the end result of productivity. If you've got a productivity system that's not making you feel more free, you've got the wrong system. I love it. Mike, thanks for spending time with us. Thanks,
0: Don. JJ, I love that. You want to go to the November workshop? I do, actually. I think we need to get maybe some of our team. It's worth the expense. Yeah.
1: And the planner itself is actually really cool, yeah. too.
0: You know what? Man, what a beautiful experience that's going to be. Yeah. This is not a deal. Michael has not given us any kind of association kick or kickback or anything. Kick I just think he's saving lives. And as we let Storyline go, which was so close to my heart, I want to turn people on to somebody else who can help them create a plan. And Michael Hyatt, I think, is the best in business. Go to fullfocusplanner.com. Next week, we have an incredible interview with Shannon Miles. Yes. Shannon Miles was a stay-at-home mom for a minute, then decided, I'm not going to quit my career. I'm going to go back to work. Cried herself to sleep every night because she (laughs) missed her kids so much, and then realized there must be a third way. Yeah. And today- she is the co CEO of a company, makes millions of dollars, and doesn't sacrifice a minute with her kids. Yeah. She found a way to do it. Yeah. And she's written a book about it. And they're one of our favorite couples, Brian and Shannon Miles. They run a company called Ballet Solutions. Uh, they're great people. But if this is you or anybody you know who just cries yourself to sleep because you were away from your kids, but you still want the career. Yeah. Yeah. There's another way to do it. Yep. And Shannon talks about it. Here's a little, just a little teaser of my conversation with Shannon Miles.
3: Harper was a baby and Rainey was, I guess, three. And at that point I had bumped up my hours to 30 hours a week, still part-time, but more than I had initially started with. And they were both in the car. Harper was losing his mind, like hmm. crying like crazy. I'm on a conference call for oh, work, right? Yeah. And we're like in the public's parking lot because I also need to go get groceries so that I can go home and make dinner. So I'm on this conference call, he's losing his mind. He starts making Rainy cry. She's like, I can't take this. I'm like, I can't really take it either. And I'm on mute, thanking God for the mute button. And the client goes, so Shannon, what do you think? And I'm like, oh (laughs) no. So I go off mute and I'm like, yeah, sounds good, I agree. Mute again and I just just screamed. I was just like, I can't do this anymore. And I realized in that moment I wasn't giving my client my best. I obviously wasn't giving my kids my best, and I was unnecessarily stressing myself out. Right. Like I was physically a mess. And yeah. so, at that moment, something shifted in me, and I was like, "No more kids around when I'm working. I either can't be on the call, or I need to have childcare." You know, like I was trying to do too many things all at once, and mm-hmm. and that's what I mean about multitasking. You yeah. really, and I'm a natural multitasker. You just there are times when you just need to just focus.
0: That's going to be a good interview. Yeah. I mean, I know it is because I already did it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's going to be fantastic. If you, Hey, if you know anybody, any moms who are missing their kids, have them listen. Have them listen next week. If you haven't subscribed to the Building a Story Brand podcast, do so now. Just go on to iTunes and subscribe. It'll come into your inbox free every week. We love delivering this podcast. Also, if you don't have my book, Building a Story Brand, grab it you can grab it on amazon.com the book is building a story brand you can also get it for free if you sign up for audible just go to audibletrial.com/storybrand and you get to choose a free book choose building a story brand we've get i think we sell 2 Audible copies for every hardback. And yeah. hardback is doing incredibly well. Yeah. yeah but people but, are loving the audiobook. I recorded it myself in studio. And uh, so if you
1: can't get enough of your voice on the podcast, right. get the voice. <laughs> if you've listened to
0: all 87 episodes of the podcast <laughs> and you want more of me, either swing by the house where I can read to you in person or get the audiobook yes. at audibletrial.com storybrand. JJ, another great interview. Can't wait for next week. Music from this episode is by Andrew Bell. You can listen to Andrew's new record dive deep on spotify or itunes today thanks as always for listening to the building a story brand podcast where we believe if you confuse you'll lose noise is the enemy and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business